How you guys doing? It's good to see all of you here. Last month we had rain and flu, and that kind of decimated a bit of our, of our ranks, so it's good to see all of you here tonight. Even had to put up an extra table, so that's, all, that's always fun as well. As Zach said, I am, my name is Doug. I'm one of the volunteers here at the church, and we're going to talk about volunteering a little bit, a little bit, a little bit later. But um, I'm just one of the guys here that's just like you. I have another job. And, um, and so, but this is a calling that God has given me, and each of you have other jobs, and God's also given you a calling. And we want to find out how that's going to, how that can be used to um, maybe send a message to the enemy that he won't like. Um, let's go ahead and get into the word as, as well. And I want to kind of start off with kind of some background about me. For those of you, how many of you were living in this region back in 2003, 2004? Okay, so you may have heard about a thing that happened in Murrieta called a recall. Anybody remember that at all? Okay. I do too, because I was one of the targets of that recall. I had just been elected in 2003, November 2003. I had one meeting in December, um, and then we went into 2004, and it was ugly. And I, I ran for office for a reason, and the reason I ran was because I believed God was calling me to do so. And I, you got to be kind of weir wired, weird to do this kind of thing anyway. And that's just how God wired. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. I appreciate that. And that's just how God wired me. And so I ran for office. I wasn't really supposed to win. Um, no one had ever unseated an incumbent I mean, Marietta before. Um, but God had other ideas. And so I got, I got elected, and I'm in office. And when I get there, I, I find out that we have the Hatfields on one side and the McCoys on the other. We had a two-and-two two split. And I was the fence that everyone shot through at that point. Um, that wasn't fun. I will tell you that much, that wasn't fun. Because I had to be the new guy that had to be the adult in the room half the time. And as time went on, things got uglier and uglier. And then we ended up into this, this recall. And the folks who were sponsoring the recall had this decide, well, let's, let's go for all three of them because I guess I voted once too many times with, with two of them. And um, so the next thing you know, Dan, you remember all this very well. The next thing you know, now, now I'm, I've been in office for less than six months. I haven't been there long enough to do anything good or bad at that point. And now I'm being targeted to be recalled from office. So I went right back into campaign mode. During that period of time, um, I had my good days and I had my bad days. Um, it was not a fun time. It, was, it got to be very ugly. During that same year in 2004, my eldest son was killed in a car accident. And you would think that that would engender some sympathy, but people would get up at the podium and say things like, you never loved your son. You're just using him for political gain. And things like that, it was that ugly. My wife couldn't go to, into a grocery store without getting attacked. My children were hearing horrible things said about their father just when they went to the grocery stores while signature gatherers were going after it. And so when it came time to how to respond, some days I, I, I didn't do very well. <laughs> you know, and sometimes, some days the human, human in me would, would kind of come out. Other days I did pretty good. And the reason on my good days is when I remembered why I was there. I was there because... I saw a need, and God called me to it, and I saw it as a ministry. And in those days, when I, when I pictured that, what was going on, I would tend to respond better. Well, time passed. We went through a year of really, 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 really ugly, and um, beat the recall. But let me tell you what happened after that. And I'm telling you this for a reason. It's not about Doug, and please hear me on that. This is not about Doug and Doug being in office, and no longer am I a politician, so I'm not campaigning right now, okay? There's a reason for this story. And that reason is this, is that the next election I had, I went from being a target of a recall, and then how we handled, how God handled that whole thing, got the attention of people. So much so, that suddenly, uh, what is that? That's a drone, yeah. Thank you. Okay. So much so, that, that, that by the next election, I... I was re-elected into office with the highest vote count in the history of Versailles County. On top of that, I won every precinct that year. Now, no one in California has ever done that in a city of over 100,000 people. So going from a recall target to that was a God thing. But let me tell you what, what else happened after that. One of the reasons I had that kind of success in my next election was because the very supporters of the recall, the ones who were going after me, the ones who were getting up to the podium and saying to me, you didn't love your son, you're just using his death for political gain, and all those things, those same supporters of the recall 
flipped. And they became my biggest supporters. And that only happened because I learned to see all of this as I am doing this as a ministry for God. And here it talks about the righteous man will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's a true thing. But the whole purpose behind all that was I was having a situation where my family was being attacked, I was being attacked, and I didn't like that. And so I learned something through that process. I learned I don't have to take it, but I can make the enemy regret he ever went after me. As a result of all of that, we saw God do some awesome things in the city of Murrieta. The enemy paid a huge price for that. I guarantee he regretted the attack he tried to do to take me out of a a ministry that God had put me into. Now, we want to talk about that because everyone in this room faces giants, faces those kinds of attacks. We all do. We've been talking about that for a very long time. And those giants have one purpose. Those giants have one purpose, and that is to keep you and me, all of us, from a destiny that God has created a destiny that he has put in front of us, the purpose for which we exist, why we are here on this earth using up space and taking up air. We have this destiny involved, and the enemy wants to keep us from achieving that destiny. But that destiny is on the other side of a giant. Hear me on this, guys. He doesn't want you to get there. He doesn't want you to do what God has wired you to do. And so that, the enemy is going to place those giants between you and your destiny. Your dreams, your values. There's guys in this room right now. I know as I'm standing here, you're that close to realizing the dreams you've been praying for and the requests you've asked God for and that thing that you feel like, this is why I'm here. You're that close. But there's something in the way. On that side of the giant, the other side of the giant is your destiny, but on this side of the giant, there's a tax. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. The reason we're having this discussion tonight is because it is my opinion and my observation over 50 years of walking with the Lord, both in my own life and as I've watched the church, that too many times we stop that, that verse right there. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. We become the Christians, what I would, maybe we call ourselves the woe is me Christians. We, 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 we look at the giants and they're big and they're hard. And too many times our identity becomes, I'm the guy who lost the family. I'm the guy whose son died. I'm the guy, our identity becomes the giant. But there's more to it. The enemy is going to try to damage your marriage. And there's men in this room who've experienced that. The enemy is going to try to, your family, he wants to damage your health, he wants to damage your finances. But you don't just have to take that. And, and from my point of view, is personally, I've watched the enemy through his attacks and through my mistakes and bad decisions. Where I've lost a marriage. I have lost a family. My son was killed. I've, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter and I, we barely are able even to talk to this day. And my ministry was stopped. Gentlemen, did I survive? Yeah. But what, was I ever satisfied with that? No. I don't want to live my life being known as the guy who bore up under struggle, the guy who just, he's he's the last man standing. That's not what I want my life to be like, and that's not what I want your life to be like. I don't want the enemy to have the, 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 the pleasure of standing between me and my destiny and then being becoming my identity. We need to become Christians who are known for something else. And that's why it says, and when Jesus, he didn't stop there. I was very frustrated until I saw the but in that verse. He says, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Now I used to think about that really just applied to, you know, if if Dan here did something to me, woe to Dan because God will get him. Pretty sure Jesus had a bigger picture in mind. 
pretty sure he was saying that when the enemy puts a giant in your path and he, and he does you some damage, we're not just here to take it. We can return fire. We can do something about it. We can make the enemy regret that he ever attacked us to begin with. And gentlemen, that's my goal in life. I want him to be so regretful of any attack he ever has on my life that he thinks twice about doing it again. And what we're going to talk about tonight is the fact that gatekeepers, when we return fire to the enemy for effect, it makes the enemy regret the attacks and it moves us gatekeepers closer to our destiny. So there's three things we're going to talk about tonight that I believe we can do for effect that's going to make the enemy regret what he was doing. And the first one, and you have your notes there, you can fill in the blanks. The first one is you pray for effect. It's in Matthew chapter 6, I believe. And the disciples are watching Jesus pray. And it's like, something's different. You know, Peter, James, and John are watching, and, and they're praying, and then they watch Jesus pray, and they said, there's just something different about the way Jesus prays. And so finally, it's, they say to him, they said, you know, Lord, can you teach us to pray? And so Jesus said, sure. I'll teach you to pray. We all know, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have all memorized it. We know it's there, everything else. But I want, to, I want you to look at this a little differently tonight. The disciples are saying, Jesus, you pray different than we do. What's different about prayer for you than it is for us? And I think we find the answer to that as a clue where he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our view of reality is that we relate to the spiritual, but we make it subject, subject to the natural. Here's what I mean. We read in the Bible. We have the Bible here, and we have all these promises of God, all kinds of promises of God in here, and in this word. And this is the word of God. It is living. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to, to divide and cut all the stuff that we know about this word. And we read that. But the way we humans think, in the natural so many times, there are so many things in this word that there is a part of us, and you know what I mean, there's a part of us where it's like, yeah, I don't know. When the, when the promise talks about the fact that I'm healed, yeah, I don't know. Because we take the spiritual, these things in the Bible that, that are promises of God, and we say, well, they can only be true if they fit the natural law. The only way that this thing can happen is if it's true in the natural. And it's kind of hard to make healing make sense because in the natural, I've still got that cancer, or I've still got that cold, or that flu. Jesus didn't pray that way. He didn't pray in a way that says it can't be done. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because Jesus' re view of reality, and this is, the, the, I think, the hint, was he related to the natural, this stuff, as it being subject to the spiritual. Think about that. Jesus would pray differently because he didn't look at the natural as that what limited him. He looked at the spiritual as what told the natural what to do. And he was saying, our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, that's the law. The spiritual law is what is important. The spiritual law dictates what happens in the natural. And gentlemen, if we learn to pray like that, we begin to understand that God's promises can really be true. Natural rules say it can't be done, but when the spiritual rules says, what can't be done? If you look at Jeremiah chapter 32, it says nothing, nothing is too hard for God. If the natural is in charge, that's not true because that would limit God. But Jesus said, no, heaven come down. Everything happened on earth like it does in heaven that means that God can do whatever he wants, and God has promised to do things. We call these the promises of God. And gentlemen, those are things that we can pray for. But my fear is, is that we look at the giants, and we think they're too big. 
We look at the things in life and we think that's too hard. And the only way the giants become too big and the things become too hard and the impossibilities become too impossible is if we think the natural is in charge. And it's not. God is. God is the one who is in charge of this. And when we pray with that in mind, we can pray for effect. And here we, let me give you an example. Next chapter 12. The context of this is, is that, you know, Herod has just killed James, brother of John. And he got a lot of kudos for that. He liked, he liked the way all the, the Jewish leaders responded to him for that. It was good politically, so he, he arrests Peter. He's going to do the same thing to Peter. And in, in verse 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison. Now, tonight we're going to talk about a series of buts, B-U-T, not the other guy. <laughs> Peter was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Here's the lesson. When we come across a giant, when we come across an attack, when we deal with something, our butts better be in prayer. When we are looking at this thing and the first thing that happens, the first thing we need to do is move into prayer. What they didn't do, they didn't, they didn't attack the prison. They didn't get an army together. They didn't, they didn't whine, oh, no, what are we going to do? All that, we, oh, well, we just lost Peter just like we lost James. No, they went to prayer. That's where they started. They prayed for the impossible. And what's really interesting to me about when I say that, when I say they prayed for the impossible, is how impossible they thought it was. Because if you look further, you find out that no one in this story believed that that these prayers were going to get answered. Peter, the angel comes and wakes Peter up, and Peter's getting up, and he, and he walks past the guards. He walks through the gates, everything else. And he, it's not until he gets out of the prison and realizes, oh, that's not a dream. This really happened. He wasn't ready for it. He didn't know it was real. And then when he gets, he started knocking on the door. The servant girl comes to the door where everybody's in there praying, oh, Lord, please release Peter. Please save Peter. Oh, please do all that, God. And he's knocking, I'm here. She goes in and says, Peter's at the door. And they say, what? You're crazy. And then finally, they say, well, maybe it's his angel. No one believed what they were praying for. And yet, God did it. Folks, what we pray for, we don't have to necessarily, the impossibilities of those things may be there. But it's about God. The results are about God. And if God wants it to be done, he's, if, our, if our faith is not there, but he needs it to be done for his mission, it's going to happen. I would encourage us, secondly, gentlemen, to learn to pray for more than you can believe. Learn to pray for more than you can believe. Here's what that kind of sounds like. God, in the natural, it doesn't make sense. In the natural, I've got these bills to pay, and I have no idea how that's going to happen. In the natural, I have this disease, and in the natural, I'm, it's, I'm not going to recover. In the natural, it doesn't make sense, but God, I believe you. Heaven come down. It's the spiritual that rules the natural. And these are the things that we learn how to pray like that. <laughs> we, make this, we make the enemy pay. But God wasn't done. I love this story. God wasn't done. Yeah, he'd freed Peter. But he, went, he was meant to make the enemy pay. And so later, later on in the book of Acts, we got King Herod. Now, he's got this group of people that he's really ticked at. And this, I kind of get this. Because when I was mayor, you know, there were, sometimes there were people that did things that, you know, they knew that they made me upset about it. And so they were trying to make up, make nice with me. And, stuff. and I just really hated that because it wasn't that important. I would rather just work out the deal. Well, Herod had these people that had upset him, and they figured out, oh, no, we upset the king. We're, up, we're, we're in trouble now. And so Herod gets up, and he gives this big oration. And I have no idea whether he was really good or not. But they all responded. Voice of a God, not of a man. Voice of a God, not of a man. Yeah, and they were trying to puff Herod up, and Herod's going, yeah, you're right, you're right. Pretty good, bring it on. And then it says, the same king that killed James, that imprisoned Peter, and it was going to kill Peter, and when the people prayed, Peter's released, but God's not done. The same king, because he would not give honor to God, 
it says he was eaten by worms and died. That's not where it stops. God's still not done. These people prayed. Peter is rescued. The king is that who did all of this is now dead. And it says in Acts chapter 21, verse 24, but after all this happened, what happened? What was the result of this? The exact opposite of what the enemy wanted. He tried to kill James. He, got, he killed James. He tried to kill Peter. He did all of that to stop the gospel. And it says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. The exact thing the enemy was trying to stop, God made happen because people prayed. And that still happens today. One of my favorite things to see happen is I'm, I'll, be, I'll be at the office or I'll be on the road and did I put it in here? You know, my phone. And it just starts dinging. All these texts start coming in. And they start coming in. And I, I've got the phone where I know what's going on. One of you either in this room or who, or who have been to this room, has an issue. It could be your job, it could be your health, it could be your marriage, and you have asked for prayer. And we've already talked about how we do that, where two or three are gathered together. There is Jesus in the midst. That's power. And when two of you agree on something, and all of a sudden I'll start watching these texts, come, I agree with you in prayer, I agree with you in prayer, I agree with you in prayer. We have figured out in this church that when men will get together and agree with each other in prayer, God moves, and we have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. One of them is sitting right here. We've seen God move with this man and his health over and over again. This has happened over and over because men learn to pray for effect. We're not just praying that so that we can, so that we can um, I don't know, get what we want. We're praying to hurt the enemy. We're praying to move him out of the way because he's in between us and our destiny. I love it when I see that phone start to go off. And I believe we're going to see more and more of that. Gatekeepers, you can pray for effect. The second thing you can do is praise for effect. I'm in second grade, and it's in Lincoln, Illinois. I, I grew fast as a kid. In fact, by the time I was in, I think, sixth or seventh grade, I was this, the height I'm at right now. So for, I was in basketball, played center. I always played the post. I was the big kid at school. And then I stopped growing, and everybody else shot up past me after that. But up to that point, I was always the big kid. My brother, on the other hand, didn't have that same experience. And on top of that, my little brother was, he had a speech impediment when he was little. So we were new kids. We'd moved to Lincoln. My dad was in Bible college at the time and, and such. And, and at recess, early on, I started noticing. I'd look over, and there'd be a bunch of boys around my little brother. And I, I didn't like what I saw. And they were taunting him because he had this speech impediment. And so I would walk over there, and I'm just a second grader, but that's my little brother. I'd walk over there, and I would just pull him aside and put him behind me and say, can I help you? And they would just all take off at that point. The reason was is that in any space I occupied around my brother, those bullies had no room. If I was there, they could not be. If I was there and they tried to be, it was going to be painful for them because that was my little brother. In Psalm 22, it says, God inhabits the praise of his people. And here's the lesson. Satan has no power in space he does not occupy. Let me say that again. Satan has no power in space he does not occupy. So my question to each and every one of us tonight, I want us to think about, and we're gonna, we'll probably talk about it later in the discussion time, who are you letting occupy your space? When you're looking at the giants of your life, are you letting the giant occupy that space or Jesus? Satan has no power unless he can occupy. And it says right here that God inhabits the praises of his people. If God is there, Satan has no room. If you want to get Satan out of your marriage, you learn to praise over your marriage. If you want to get Satan out of your health, you learn to praise over your health. You learn to praise over your finances. You learn to praise over those things, and the enemy has no room. You can praise for effect. What's that look like? Acts chapter 16, awesome story. 
In that, in that chapter, we find Paul and, and, and Silas are in Philippi. There's this demon-possessed girl who had been following him around, and, and Paul finally got tired of it, and so he kicked out the demon, which is great for the little girl, but the people who owned her, that was their livelihood. And so they got upset about that, and the next thing you know, Paul and Silas are in prison. And in verse 25, the first part of it, it says, but, I love it, when you see a but, pay attention to it, but at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. Get the picture, guys. They're in prison, and you can imagine, you know, they're chained, maybe feet, hands, they're changed, they're chained, and they're singing praises. Now think about times when you've been at your lowest. Did you feel like doing that? I would have venture to say that most of us, the answer would be probably not. You know, we may be praying and, oh, God, help me and all that thing else. But to start praising God, just praising him. Let me tell you, gentlemen, we can worship God anywhere at any time, even at midnight. You might be to the midnight of your marriage, but I guarantee you, you start praising God things are going to happen. You might be in the midnight of your finances, but you start praising God over that, I guarantee you God's going to move. You might have be the midnight of your health, the midnight of the worst time of your life, and I'm telling you, Paul and Silas got it right. They decided they could sit there in those chains and mope, or they can praise God for who he is, the heaven, the God who made the heavens, the God of creation. They can do that, and you can and then see what God would do, even if it's at midnight. But it goes further. It's a great story. Because it says, they were praying and singing hymns to God at midnight. And the prisoners were listening to them. There's something powerful. Something powerful about men of God who were going through hell on earth and praising God. And people watch you do that. And they go, I'd never do that. I wouldn't do that. I'd be moping around. I'd be upset. And he's praising God. I wouldn't do that. What's different about that guy? There's something powerful about how God uses your example when you're at the midnight of your life and you still praise. But there's more. Verse 26, it says, suddenly. Let me just stop with that one word. I believe that there's many of us in this room have been praying for things for days, for weeks, for months. Some of us for years have been praying for something, for God to move on something. And we've continued to praise God for his, and, and we're hopefully learning that we begin to thank God that he has done it. And we're waiting for, as Gary would say, him to move the furniture around the universe so we can receive that. I believe we've been doing that. But let me tell you, gentlemen, it's that continued praise that will usher in your suddenly. Where suddenly that answer comes. Suddenly that relief comes. Suddenly those finances come. Suddenly the, the healing comes. It's that continued praise that can usher in your suddenly. There's going to be some men in here tonight. I'm, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. That as you practice praying for effect and praising for effect, that you're going to have your suddenly. I want to hear about it. So we can give God the glory within this group. Your suddenly is coming. It's on its way. Praise your way to it. But he says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all, hear that word, the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Paul and Silas were praising at midnight in prison. Everyone was listening and suddenly everyone was free. It didn't say Paul and Silas were free. Everyone. It didn't say just their prison doors were open. All the prison doors were open. So let me teach you this, guys. Praise will displace the power that holds you captive. Yes. We've, already, we've been kind of talking about that already. Praise will displace that power. Satan cannot occupy where Jesus is. And when, we, when we're praising... God, he occupies that praise. And so Satan can't be there. So praise will displace the power that holds you. But here's the promise, gentlemen, and I hope you hear me on this. 
Because if you're going through a time when your kids are maybe not quite right or your marriage is not quite right or something going on in your gate is not right, listen to this story where it's, because praise will displace the power that holds your gate captive. You want to have a gate that you're going to stand for God in your gate, whether it be your home or your soccer team. I don't care what it is. If you want to stand for God, you fill that gate with praise. When things are going hard at the midnight or whether at high noon, I don't care what it is. Be a man that says, I will praise God no matter what. Because God occupies that praise. It gets better. A little bit later, you know, the jailer, the guy who was the enemy, the guy who was keeping them in prison, the guy who had all the weapons to keep them there, he was asleep because it was midnight. And he wakes up with the earthquake and he sees all the doors open and he goes, oh no, the prisoners are gone. Now he knew he was a dead man. And so he's gonna, he was going to take his own life. And Paul stops him. He says, no, no, wait. We're all here. Once again, they're in prison. It's midnight. They fill the prison with praise. God opens all the, all the doors. He takes off all the chains. He frees all the prisoners. He frees the gate. But that jailer saw what happened and saw that Paul could have taken off and those prisoners could have taken off and they did not and his one response was sirs what must I do to be saved now think about that your praise in the prison your praise at midnight can even free your enemies that is the ultimate of scripture talks about putting coals of fire on someone's head that's the ultimate. And now let's take this all, all the way back. Why are we doing this? We're praising for effect. What was the enemy trying to do? He was trying to take Paul and Silas out of commission, right? He wanted them in prison, and he had them put away where they couldn't do his mission any damage. And instead, because people were praising for effect, because they were taking that and displacing the enemy's power with the power of God as Jesus was occupying that praise, the exact opposite happened. Everyone in the prison is freed, and the jailer and his entire family comes to Jesus, the exact opposite of what the enemy wanted. And I have to believe at that point the enemy is thinking, well, what have I done? I should have left them alone. Now I've got it worse. Now there's all these other Christians. It still happens today. How many of you were here when we discussed weaponized worship? The stories that came out of that are amazing of what happened to many of you as we went through and understood that that praising, that worship to God as we worshiped over our giants overcame them because they can't occupy that space of praise. But I want to talk, the next step from that is what do we do with those victories? Paul had a victory. He was freed from prison. What did he do with it? He went and witnessed to somebody and brought them to Jesus. He used the victory to bring them to Jesus. That's called praising for effect. 9-11 happened. We had an enemy that figured that we would cower at their atrocities as they took down the, tw the Twin Towers. But thankfully, given it being America, <laughs> it was more of a call to action. We knew that cowering is going to encourage attack. Returning fire discourages it. So how do we return fire? We talked about praying for effect, praising for effect. The third one is to participate for effect. We're going to talk about service and volunteering tonight. Now, I know there's some in here right now who, who are going through the, the midnights of issues of their lives. Once again, I always talk about your marriages, your health, or your finances, or your family. Or, those are the ones that are easy to come to mind. But there's probably a thousand other examples of that where you may be going through the midnight of things right now. And I get that. And some of you are thinking, I'm having trouble breathing. <laughs> I'm having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. Things are really tough. And you want me to go serve on top of that? So my answer to that is only if, it, if you fall in one of two categories. So let's talk about the two categories of the people who should be serving. Okay? The first category, those that can because they're called. 
in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11, verse 18. I'm just going to read them real quick and we'll talk about it. It says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. In the verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Now there's a whole bunch more in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 to 14 about this kind of thing, about how God has done what he's done. But let me just summarize it this way. God has packaged you for a purpose. Everyone who is in Christ has been wired weird. And what I mean by that is your weirdness of your wiring is because it's different than the guy next to you. God has individually packaged every, per, every person in here for a specific part of his overall purpose. That's a lot of P's. I was spitting when I say that again. God has, he's, always, he's, he's already designed each of us to do something. And what's cool about that is we like it. it re, if we do it, it recharges our batteries. Think about things you like to do. If you like to hunt, you like to fish, you like to whatever. God has designed us in such a way to be able to enjoy this thing we have been called to do. In fact, at one point we find a couple times in Scripture where it says, I can't even, when it talks about being wired to preach, says, I can't stop preach. It's a fire in my bones. I have to do this. Well, there are certain things that God has designed for you, each and every one of you, that when you identify it, there's nothing that can stop you from doing it. And so suddenly this idea of, of, of applying that in service and volunteering that gift and volunteering that time, it's not, it's not hard because you enjoy it. In fact, it makes you feel better. And I guarantee you, gentlemen, if you fall into that category, when you, everyone in this room does, identifying what God has called you to be and do in the midnight of your life, if you pray for effect and you praise for effect, if you participate for effect, that means my reason for doing this is I'm going to, the enemy's trying to take me down and I'm going to make him regret it. I'm going to go serve. And I'm going to go serve in the area that God's called me. I'm not saying it has to be, you know, you know Pastor Gary on the, on the stage. It could be someone who cleans the stage after church. Whatever it is, if you want to make the enemy pay for the midnight he's brought in your life, do what God calls you to do. The second thing is, I, call, I do it. I, I've called because I can. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. In Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 10, we have the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, I'm going to kind of move through this kind of quickly because we're running a little bit late here. But the first part of the story, we, we find out that we have a priest. There's a guy that gets beat up. He's on the, ra- on the road, and he's traveling, and, and the, and the rob, robbers descend upon him, and they beat him up really bad and take everything he's got. So he's laying beside the road there, and we've got a priest and a Levite, people who are called to take care of people in God's name. And they see the guy on the road, and they kind of they pass by the other side. They don't want to get involved because they got they got they're too busy. They got things they got to do, and so they they pass this guy by. And the thing, the only thing I want to point out of that, guys, is when it comes to our service, well, yeah, the things that we are called to do that we enjoy, those are easy. But sometimes, those who are called don't respond. Unfortunately, I was one of those for a while. Sometimes those who are called don't step in to the role that God called them to. They haven't experienced the joy of that, how that feels when they're doing something they really love doing and they're doing for Jesus. And they don't step in and do that. So when that doesn't happen, somebody else has to. And that happens in verse 33 of Luke chapter 10. There's a Samaritan. The Samaritans were the half-breeds. They were the ones that the Jews looked down upon. And they, you know, they had no credibility whatsoever. And he's walking along, and he sees the guy on the road, and it says in verse 33, he had compassion. Verse 34, so he went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. When the called ones don't respond... You do what you can do. You may not be called to it, but there is this aspect of, of participation for effect, for serving for effect, that says, I'm not called to this specific thing, but this is what I can do. I will do it because I, I have compassion. I'm here, first of all, to, to glorify Jesus, but secondly, <laughs> to make the enemy pay. 
Now, it goes further from that. It says, on the next day, the Samaritan departed, and he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, you take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. See, this Samaritan couldn't stay. He, he did what he could do, but not, he didn't try to do what he couldn't do. He had to keep going. Didn't say why, didn't say what was urgent, but he, the next day he took off. But he, when he couldn't do it himself, he saw to it that someone else could. One of the things I love about this church, I love so much about this church, is how generous you all are. You understand that you are investing in the kingdom of God. And there are so many good things that happen in, in this world out of this church because you all understand that man, I can't go on that best trip, but I can support the one who's going. I can't go on that, but I can pay for the materials that are going. You, sometimes what we do is if, if, if the call don't respond and there's things you can do, do it. But what you can't do, maybe what you can do is support it. And this isn't about just doing this because it's an obligation. Remember, guys, the general, what we're talking about tonight is we want to do this for effect. I would challenge you, challenge you. <laughs> if you're going through the midnight of something, find some place to serve and start. I challenge you to try that. In my own life, when I have done that, when I was going through the hardest times of my life, or I didn't have the time, like I said, I'm a volunteer just like you are tonight. But you do it anyway, I tell you, you'll never regret it, but the enemy will. I encourage you for that, gentlemen. What's that look like? Acts chapter 5. The context is we have got Jesus' movement. Is, it, it's really gaining momentum. And the apostles get arrested, and then the angels rescue them and get them out of prison, and they go back and they go serving. Now, they've just been arrested. They get released, and they go straight to the temple, and they start teaching some more. The, the, the authorities go and kindly ask them to come in this time, and so they bring them back in. And, they, and then they couldn't des- deny what the apostles were up to, and they couldn't deny the miracle. So the only thing they could, they could do is they beat them and then t- order them to shut up. I love their response. Verse 41 of Acts chapter 5. So, because they had just been beaten and ordered to shut up, it says, they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. There's an example of praising at midnight. They had just been beat up, and they had just been told by the ruling authorities, you better not say another word about Jesus, or we're going to do it again. And they walked out, and they started, they, they filled that room with praise. He goes further. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The enemy tried to shut them up. And what did they do? They just went back to work. And the more he tried to shut them up, the harder they would work. And if, gentlemen, if you want to make the enemy regret his attack, do the exact opposite of what he's trying to get you to do. If he's trying to get you to quit, don't quit. If he's trying to get you to stop serving, start serving. If he's trying to get you to stop praising, praise more. If you want to give him the message that I don't care how hard you push, I'm pushing back much harder with the power of Jesus, you're going to change lives. And you're going to make him regret he ever did this. But let me, let me make this is very, very clear. Because sometimes we have this opinion or we have this perception that when, when the pastors ask for people to serve or when I'm talking about that or everything else, it's because we have all these programs in the church and we need to fill it with workers. And we don't have the workers and the programs can't happen. And it comes all about the programs. Let me tell you why we all ask and we all serve. We, don't, we serve not just because the church programs need workers. When we get a whipping, we serve to give the enemy a whooping. Could you imagine what could happen in this valley if this church as a whole took on the attitude, no matter what you do to me, enemy, I'm going to use that as energy to serve more? You know, all of a sudden, 
thousands of people who go to this church are now serving more and the more the enemy attacks the more midnight he brings on the more they serve can you imagine what we could do for Christ and how much at some point you have to you have to think at some point at some point the enemy's going to say I've got to stop touching them because this is backfiring on me if you want to know what to do we need to follow Paul's example. I'm going to close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you want to find your area of service, Paul knew where to look. He's in, he's in, um, he's in Ephesus, and he's telling the people in, the, in, the book, in, in Corinth that he's not going to come, he's going to stay there until Pentecost. And he says, why am I staying in Ephesus until Pentecost? I left this part. For a great and effective door has opened to me. He has great opportunity for the ministry there. Then you see the word and. Many times in Scripture, when you see the word and, it's what's called a parallelism. It's not a list of things. It is the other side of the coin. So Paul is saying, I am staying here in Ephesus because a great and effective door has opened for me. And the other side of the coin is, there are many adversaries. Now you read that and go, you know, most people say, i got to go because there's many adversaries, right? These giants are in the way, i got to run the other way. And no, Paul said, no. I am staying here because I know there must be an effective door because look at all the adversaries. Look at all the energy the enemy is putting into trying to stop me. So I'm telling you, gentlemen, you want to find what your ministry is? Look behind your biggest giants. Look, look where the enemy is putting most of the energy. Let's talk about your marriage. If you're seeing the enemy have a, a lot of energy to make that not go so good, maybe it's because... God wants that to be your ministry to your wife. And the enemy is trying to stop it. Because the enemy knows that if you and your wife get on the same page with God, holy cow, he's trying to stop it. Look at all the midnights of your life and try to find yourself. Look behind the giants. That's what Paul did. He looked behind the giants in Ephesus and found out because that's where the giants were, there must be great opportunity here. I'm staying until I figure that out. Did you want to see the giants and run? No. You want to get your ministry to matter to the mission. Don't run from the giants. Do what David did. Ran through the kill zone. He ran through Goliath and he routed the Philistines. Believe God. Kill the giants. And then possess the promises. Those promises are greater as he that's in me than he's in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. Those promises are real. Why are they real? Because Jesus gave us the example. The spiritual is in charge of the natural. When gatekeepers return fire for effect, it makes the enemy regret his attacks and moves them closer to their destiny. Three things you can do. Pray for effect. Praise for effect. Participate for effect. Put it this way. Identify what the enemy is trying to stop you from doing <laughs> and do more of it. And you'll make him regret he ever attacked you. And we're going to have some discussion time right now. On your tables, on the back side of, of your notes, you'll see some questions. The first part is the discussion. It says, do you see prayer, praise, and participation differently now? I want you to talk about the difference you might see. And the second part of that is, in what areas are you under attack? And what are you going to do about it going forward? And then a little bit later, I want you to move into some prayer time. If you feel comfortable sharing with people around the table, maybe share some of the areas of, of your midnights of the attacks you're going through. And I encourage you to pray over each other and praise over, over those issues. And then finally, we have an assignment. And I don't see the list here. Um, but um, do we have it? Okay, we'll hand, these, we'll hand this out to everybody uh, while you're going through the first part. But the assignment is simply this. We need you to go through and look at the list of areas that, that we could use help in the church and see if God calls you to any of those. If you want to have an opportunity to make the enemy regret he ever attacked you, maybe it's time to pick one of those areas and start serving. So right now, let's go ahead and start with the discussion. Just round your tables there. Let's go to those first two questions, and I'll, and I'll get your attention here a little bit after that. Okay, gents, if I could have your attention briefly here. Look, you're, you're having a good conversation, but I want, I want to take it to another level. I need you all to stand, if you could, please. And I ask Gary and Zach, if you could come up here, please. 
I want to move into the prayer section. I think I, as I was thinking this through, just as you, I was watching all of you, I feel a need to do this as a group, the prayer section here. Um, what I was looking for for the prayer was, as a group, is, is for you to identify whether you want to call it the midnights of your life, the giants of your life, whatever it might be that's between you and your destiny. Um, identifying those, because if you can identify those, you can identify your destiny. And then pray and praise over that and then serve as well. But what I want to do as a group here um, is without you saying what your midnight is, what your um, giant is, or the, if, if you could just, if you have one in your life, if there's something in your life that is inhibiting your move towards where God wants you to be, or you even just feel like, I know God wants me to be somewhere, but I can't figure out what it is and where it is and how to get there, just raise your hand. Okay, keep those hands up right now. Just keep those hands up as we do that. Zach, if I could have you come up here for a sec. I'm going to ask Zach, you can put your hands down now. I just want Zach to see who has the hands up. I'm going to ask Zach to lead you, not just pray, but to lead you all in prayer right now over those things you just raised your hands about. We want to pray for effect. We saw what happened in the book of Acts when, it's, when the children of, when children of Israel, when the Christians did that. And God not just did, not, did more than what they believed that could be done, and then he overdid it on top of that. He just made sure the enemy paid. It says in Proverbs that when the enemy steals, when, when there's someone who steals, um, and they get caught, they got to pay back seven times. We caught the enemy. Tonight, I want us to catch the enemy in every one of our lives, and we're going to make him pay. And so I'm asking Zach now to lead us all in prayer about those things we raised our hands over. Awesome. Hey, just one more time, lift a hand if that's you. And guys, just reach out and put a hand on the shoulder of a guy next to you. Let's all just pray for one another. It's not about one person's prayer. It's about what we can all do to get God's attention tonight. Father, we thank you that we can look to you. God, we know that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And tonight we reach out to you to make your power available to us, God. Father, we look beyond the challenges that are in front of us, God. We we're able to quickly identify what those things are, but we look ahead and recognize that your promises and your provision are so much greater than our problems. And tonight, in Jesus' name, we speak to our problems and tell them how big our God is. God, we look to you and ask in Jesus' name that you would get involved that you would bring about answers, that you would bring about solutions tonight in Jesus' name. For men in this room who need wisdom in their life, I pray that you would speak wisdom to them through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would bring other men and women into their life who can speak wisdom into their life to help them see beyond their giants and walk into the promised land that you have promised them. God, I pray tonight in Jesus' name for the ones who are looking for physical health and physical strength and healing in their bodies. In Jesus' name that you would bring it, God. For many of them, instantaneously, for others of them, they would walk into it by faith in the process of time that you've laid out before them, God. I pray for those who are needing provision tonight in Jesus' name. That big problem, that big mountain, that big giant of provision that seems to be a road that has come to an end in their life. In Jesus' name, as they step out in faith, I ask that you would provide for them in Jesus' name. No matter what it might be, whether it's lack or something that they're needing to meet them in their business or in their family or in some other area of their life, that you would provide for them, God, because you are entirely faithful. You hold provision in your hand. You are the God who promotes and we look to you tonight in Jesus' name and ask that you would bring that. Father, for others here tonight that are standing in faith for some other challenge in their family or in their marriage or in their relationship, I pray, God, that you would bring about restoration in relationships, that you would bring about restoration in marriages, that you would bring about restoration between fathers and sons and fathers and daughters and brothers and sisters and parents and children tonight in Jesus' name. God, you if you need to begin a new work in our hearts tonight to bring about forgiveness and reconciliation, we give you space to do that. Have your way, God. Soften hearts for men who need to walk through that process. God, I pray for people tonight who have lost people close to them in their life and they're feeling a sense of emptiness, God. That giant of emptiness, that giant of depression, that giant of lack that might be in place of someone that they've lost. I pray in Jesus' name that you would step in and be the friend who sticks closer than a brother tonight. That you would 
touch hurt hearts and hurt families, hurt husbands, hurt fathers, hurt grandfathers in this house tonight that are hurting over the loss of a loved one in Jesus' name. God, we speak to our giants tonight and we say that you are greater, that you are stronger, that you are more powerful than anything that we might be up against. We know that our God is so much greater than our problems, that our God is so much greater than our challenges. We give these challenges to you. We look past them. And God, we don't put our eyes down, but we lift up our eyes in hope and in expectation and in faith for all that you can do and all that you will do in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we ask. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Okay. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Okay, gentlemen. Gentlemen. Right now, can you say with me, Jesus, Jesus. is my identity. Say it again. Jesus, Jesus. is my identity. What we're going to run into now is the understanding that these giants that you raise your hands about are not your identity. They do not define you. It is when Jesus defines you. He, that means he defines how you walk, how you talk, what you say. He defines all those things in your life. He becomes your identity. We've just now prayed, and Zach has led us in prayer, about how we're going to respond to those giants, and we're going to do that for effect. But the next step is this. He prays for effect. He prays for effect. And I invite all of us in this room to pray in faith, to thank God for the, for the answers he has already given you for the prayers we've already prayed about those giants. I'm asking Gary, Gary, if you'd come up. I'm asking our pastor to lead us all in corporate praise. But while he's praying, I hope to hear all of you saying the same thing, praising God for whatever specific answers to prayers that you need. You may not see them now, but praising God in faith that you're believing for things that you don't see how they're going to happen, but you trust that God will because Jesus is my identity. Say it with me. Jesus is my identity. Gary, if you could leave us in prayer. Let's praise God. Father, we just honor you tonight. We lift our voices to just glorify you, to tell you that you are wonderful. You're an amazing God. We hollow your name. We break your name apart and we recognize that you are so good in every area and every level of our lives. We thank you that you are our salvation. Lord, you are our righteousness. You are our sanctification. We thank you that you are the God who's always there. You've never abandoned us. You've never left us or forsook us. You are always there with us. Father, we thank you, God, that you're the God who's always there. We thank you this evening that you are our peace. No matter what we're facing, what the waters of life look like, if you are there in the boat, there is peace. And we thank you that you and your presence is the peace in our lives. Father, we thank you that you are our healer, that by the stripes that Jesus took upon his back on the cross, healing flows into our lives. And we thank you tonight, not just in days gone by, but right now tonight, you are our healer, Father. We thank you for that. Father, we thank you that you are our provider. You are the God who sees. You are the God who responds based on what he sees. And Father, we praise you tonight that you see our hands up raised and you're going to respond to our praise, Father, and you're going to finish the work that you have started. It's already accomplished and we give you praise tonight, Father, because you're going to finish what you started. You don't leave things undone and we praise you for that tonight, Father. God, we thank you that you are our banner, Lord. You've planted your flag in our lives. We have that flag flying high, and we claim the name of Jesus Christ and all the blessings and provision that go with his name. We honor you. We glorify you tonight, Father. Father, we thank you that you are our shepherd. You're the one who guides us day by day by day. God, you've never led us down a wrong pathway. You've never put us in a situation that you couldn't see us through because you're a loving, kind shepherd. And tonight, Father, we just lift our hands and say, thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you for all you are and for all that you do. We glorify the name of Jesus. In the midst of our situation, good, bad, or somewhere in between, we give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. And we declare as a final word that you are able to make all things work together for good to those that love you, those who are called according to your purpose. And we put it in your hands and we say, so be it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If I could have you just sit down just one last time, just briefly here. It's time to take it home. It's time to take it home. You have in front of you on the tables there, there's opportunities to now serve for effect, to take it as the praise and the prayer. But what can you do? In the midnight of your situation, 
the best thing you can do to make the enemy pay is do the exact opposite of what he's trying to get you to stop doing. Now, where's Zach? Where's Zach go? There he is, right here. Zach is prepared to talk to any of you that would, that would like to talk to him about maybe some areas you might be interested in serving. Um, remember, this isn't just to put bodies in positions. This is to make the enemy pay. And that's, all, and that's what I think we're all about here. We are here to take this world back for Jesus. Uh, we want to remind you that also as part of that process, if you've not been to Connecting Point in two, uh, on the 18th, you need to come to that. And you get a whole lot more information about opportunities and places where you might be able to serve as well. We really encourage you to do that. And between now and all of then, guys, on Monday nights, this kind of thing that goes on happens every Monday. It's right here, a couple, couple doors down right here. You come in the back door at 615. I encourage you to come to the men's study on Monday nights. And the guys are ready to, to work with you and, 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 and to fellowship with you and to help you learn to praise and pray and, and participate for effect. Now, if you want to get really into that study, you can go to the website, bridge, bridgechurch.tv. And on that website of the man-to-man um, page, you can, you can download the study guide. And you can do, get, get that ready before you get there on Mondays and be prepared to really study through that and make that time worthwhile. But we would encourage you to do that. And I invite you back for next month. Next month, we're, everything we've been doing is been building to the next couple of weeks. And I would invite you to come back for that because we're going to move into some areas that are going to be pretty powerful. And I invite you to be here. I invite you to bring your friends and, and bring your sons. Your sons need to hear this stuff, guys. This is teaching that's coming from God, and he wants us to, to mobilize God's people to make the enemy pay for what he's doing to God's world. So I want to thank you and praise you guys for all being here tonight. And thank you and praise God for what he's going to do. And please tell us your stories. Please tell us your stories. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.